0: Oh, I love that. Yes, we're going to do a Q&A in just a little bit towards the end of the service. And I want to ask you to ignore everything that Pastor Eric said about asking me questions concerning cats. Please don't. I'll just answer the only one that matters. Why did God create cats? Well, to remind us that Satan is real. And that's it. There's no other questions needed. That's it. It's just a good daily reminder. So... <laughs> Seriously, though, go to the app. The top of the app, you'll see ask a question. When you click on that, it's real easy from there. Ask a question specifically if you have one about the topic that we're going to be talking about today because uh, we're going to get a lot of questions in. We want a lot of questions, it's going to be great, but we don't have time to cover everything. So we're going to kind of stick to the topic. So make it short enough. For me to be able to get my mind around and in the time frame given, and it should be fun. It was fun in the previous services this weekend. So looking forward to that. People believe some pretty unbelievable things in the world. I bet you've noticed, and not you, by the way, but people believe some pretty unbelievable stuff like Bigfoot, Yeti, not the cooler, the UFOs. Some people believe the Loch Ness monster thing is real. It's been around for a long time. And there are even some people believe that Elvis is still alive. Yeah, yeah. Kind of makes you go, uh, yeah, right. Or, I don't know about that. Or, prove it. Prove it. It's, it's interesting stuff. I'm not saying that this stuff is not true, and I'm not saying that it is. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm just saying it's pretty unbelievable stuff. No wonder we're all skeptics. We're all skeptics. At some level. Now, some of us are born that way. Some of us have a personality or a nature that are kind of like, ah, I'm not sure. I'm kind of one of those kind of people that I don't take things at face value very quickly, very easily. I'm, I'm one of those like, yeah, I don't know about that. Be careful what you believe kind of stuff. And so that's just kind of my nature. Others of you are like, oh, it's all good. I like that, and I like that, and I like that. And, and so you take it all. But e- eventually, something happens to all of us. Maybe a disappointment that you experience or someone that's close to you experiences. Or maybe a hurt. Or, or maybe something tragic. Or you're put in a situation you can't quite figure out and you become skeptical. You become skeptical. And you begin asking questions to things that you never questioned before. Or maybe you were told something by your parents when you were a little kid. You were told from childhood that this is real or this is always the way it is. And as you grew up, you discovered, wait a second, that wasn't true. That's not the way it is. And so now, not that your parents were trying to be dishonest to you, but now you're going, what else? Have I been duped into believing that's not really true? And you find yourself skeptical. We're all skeptical, but here's what's interesting. We still all believe something. All of us believe Something, and I'm going to suggest to you, we're going to talk about it a little bit here in this series and and start today, that I would say that all of us believe something even by faith. Even if you're not a person of faith. You would say, well, I'm not a man of faith. I'm not a woman of faith. I get it, but I'm going to argue, and I'm I'm going to show you that even you accept some things by faith. We all believe something. We weigh the evidence. We look at our options, and we choose, and it affects our lives. It affects decisions we make. That's just reality for all of us. Now, the good news is we understand here at the summit, I understand, we understand that we all have a tendency to be skeptical, especially with things of God, especially when it comes to God because we can't see God, we can't touch God, and you can't like hear God audibly talk like you're hearing me audibly talk and and talk back. And if you think you can, we're glad you're here. Make an appointment with your doctor tomorrow. Right? We know we can all be skeptical a little bit. So the good news is here at the summit, we want you to know that you can belong before you believe. You can belong before you believe. That's the way Jesus treated people, by the way. Jesus connected with people and they connected with him and he built friendships with them and they built friendships with him and they did life together long before Some of his closest friends accepted what was true about him. So here at the summit, you need to know, you don't have to know it all. You don't have to understand it all. And you don't have to believe it all in order for you to journey with us as we take our next steps together towards Jesus. And so we're glad you're here. We invite you to continue to journey with us as we all journey towards Jesus. You can be long before you believe. And you're going to really need to come back to that from time to time if you're like me. It's good news for us. Let me jump in to what we're going to talk about today and kind of getting some of that introductory stuff out of the way and talk about how we decide what we believe. Most of us Choose between two different options to help us determine what it is we believe. We choose between faith, which is trust, it's another word for trust, and science. When you decide what it is you're going to believe in life, especially about the big things in life, the big things, not like should I get the red car or the green car, not not that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about the stuff that matters kind of stuff. You choose typically to believe things based upon what you've learned from faith or what you've learned from science. You say, well, what about personal experience? I choose so much based upon my experience. Well, that's great. Experience is always in play, but I would say experience is all up in this. You choose to believe whatever it is you believe because of your experience with faith or your experience with science. There are people that say faith and science are at odds. No, they're not at odds. They do not contradict one another, they actually complement one another when they are properly understood. Properly understood. One does not disprove the other, not honestly. They work together. For Christians and people in church that say, well, we don't need science, all we need is faith, all we need is faith, we don't need any of that science junk. No, see, that's short-sighted, because you know, What science allows us to do helps us discover a lot of things worth putting your faith in helps us discover how the universe was made and how all of this works together and and actually validates faith in many ways. And there are those from the, you know, culture that would say, no, no, you don't need faith. All you need is science. Science will tell us everything we need to know. Just science, science, science. Just stick with science. Who really cares about all this faith stuff? Faith's for the uneducated. We don't need that. We just, no, no, no. See, that also is short-sighted because faith and science work together. They complement one another. They don't contradict one another not when they're properly understood. See, science, those of the people that say all you need is science, you don't need faith, fail to understand that science can only take you so far. That's why it has to work together with faith. Let me give you one quick example, because there's so many things we could talk about here, but one quick example. When you were in seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, you probably learned in your physical science class, and that's what it was called when I was um, in in school, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Um, I don't know what it was called, your class, but you remember learning about the scientific method? I'm gonna put it up here. Remember the scientific method? This is how you prove something is true scientifically. This is how you validate something is true scientifically. How can you prove that it's scientifically true? Well, does it follow? You go through the scientific method and here it is. You ask a question, you form a hypothesis. Will this happen? Will it not? I think this, you form a hypothesis and then this middle part is so very important. Then you observe the data. And observing the data means you, you, re, you measure it, you collect the data, you measure it, you record it, and you repeat it. You measure it, you record it, and you repeat it. And you do that over and over and over again until you find consistency, and then you can draw a conclusion. Got that? I didn't come up with this. This is, this is a scientific method kind of thing. We all learned about this. This is how you prove something is true scientifically. But let me illustrate to you how science and the scientific method can only take you so far. That's why you have to work complementary with faith. Let me talk to those of you as an example who believe that God created the heavens and the earth, that God created the universe. Most of you, since you're in church, I think, would probably believe that. Not all of you, and if you don't believe that, we are so glad you're here. You can be long before you believe, by the way. But for those of you that are creationists, you believe that God created everything. You know you believe that by faith. You cannot scientifically prove that God created the heavens and the earth. You cannot. And here's why you cannot. Because of this middle section right here, you cannot observe the data of creation. You cannot collect it, measure it, record it, and especially repeat it because it happened in the past, a long time before you got here and nobody had their phone out during creation and recorded it and fast forwarded it through the eons of time for all of us to pull it up on Wi-Fi and say, yeah, yeah, look at there. It's on GodTube. <laughs> Sorry, I think that actually is a, a thing. But <laughs> I so don't recommend it. Probably real cheesy. Anyway, um, it's in the past. So you believe God created the heavens of the earth by faith. That's not an, an educated response. You look at the evidence and you conclude, yeah, that's the way I believe You can't prove it scientifically, let's be honest. But that's okay, because not everything that we believe can be proven scientifically, not according to the scientific method. That's why it works together complementary with faith. You get me? Now, Now, let me finish this. There are those of you also in this room that do not believe God created the earth and the universe. You believe it's a part and an end result of evolutionary processes. And you've looked at the evidence, and you've weighed... You know what people have said in theories, and that's the conclusion that you draw. But you need to understand this you also cannot prove that scientifically. Evolution cannot be proven scientifically according to the scientific method. Why? Because of this little middle part right here. You cannot collect, measure, record, and repeat. You can't. Why? Because you weren't there. Nobody was there. And so you draw a lot of conclusions and I know people are rising up. Yeah, but the Bible says, okay, but you believe that by faith. Yeah, but science says, and you got the fossil and you got the big bang and all. Yeah, but you believe that by faith. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Right now, I'm not saying one or the other is true or false. I'm just saying whichever one you believe, you do so by faith. You cannot prove it scientifically. Alan Sandage, a former astronomer, The 20th century, he's dead now. That's why I say former. He says it is my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. Love that. He said it's my science, and this guy didn't. He didn't claim to be a Christian, to my knowledge. He didn't claim to be a creationist, and yet he says it's science that shows me the world is much more complex than can be explained by science. What, What does it leave you with? I don't know. Maybe faith. Let's say it like this. Eventually, faith is required to believe anything about some things. Eventually, whether you're a person of faith or not, faith is going to be required for you to believe and accept anything, right or wrong, true or false, to believe anything about some things, especially the big things. The big questions, like the origins of life, the purpose of life. You can't prove those things scientifically, yet we accept them as either true or false, and we do so by faith. That's why God pushes us to faith, pushes us to faith over and over and over again. Paul writes to the Corinthians that we are to live by faith, not by sight. Live by faith, not by sight. Now, what is he talking about here? Why does he say this? Because he's just qualifying the fact that there are some things we're gonna need to choose to believe, not because we can see them, but because they're true, even though we can't see them. We'll give you some illustrations of this in just a few minutes. But all of us believe in things we can't see. And we interact with them all the time. But he's just illustrating, okay, that's the way of life. The way of life is you have to learn to live by faith, not just by sight, because some things are true even though you can't see and interact with them physically, in the physical world. The writer of Hebrews says this about faith. Faith is confidence, not wishful thinking. It is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance of what we do not see. Not an assumption, assurance. And then he gives us an example. He says, for instance, by faith, we understand, not assume, not just hope. No, we understand. We can actually understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is now made out of what was visible. He said, it's faith that allows us to look at the evidence, what we can see. And there's so much evidence. There's so much we can see. He said, It's faith that allows us to look at what we can see and conclude things about what we can't see. It's faith. Bottom line, to start this series off, I want to help us rally around this challenge. I want you to get comfortable with faith. Because faith is required to believe anything about some things. Eventually, it's going to be that way. Science only takes you so far. And it's never, well, I'm just gonna have to have faith. Faith is never a just. Faith is not a last resort. Faith is not a cop-out. Faith is not, oh, well, I guess that's all I got. Nothing else works. No, 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 no. Faith is, is the way. And it works together with science. And science, true science, true science, works together with faith. And true faith works together with science. They complement one another. So get comfortable. Get comfortable. Get comfortable. Get comfortable with this whole thing of faith. Even if you're not a person of faith, get comfortable with the fact that you're gonna have to accept some things as true that you can't see or prove scientifically. If you can get this, it will help reduce your worry about the bigger things. It will help reduce your stress. It'll help reduce anxiety and fear about the things, the bigger things in life that we can't see and we can't prove scientifically yet we know exist. So we look at the evidence, and there's so much evidence. We look at what we can see. We look at logic, and we look at reason, and then we choose to believe something by faith. We even process our experience by faith. That's why we have to get comfortable with faith. We process our experience by faith. And let me give you two examples. Gravity. Can you see gravity? No, you cannot see the force of gravity. Now, you can see the effects of gravity, all you got to do is stand in front of the mirror after getting out of the shower. <laughs> right? Because what was there used to be, here, gravity. You can see the effects of gravity. You can feel the effects of gravity, but you can't see gravity. So you process your experience of gravity through faith. And by faith, you conclude gravity is an invisible I can't see it. It's an invisible force that you and I don't even feel right now. We're so used to it. Here's another example, love. Do you believe in love? Oh, I believe in love. (laughs) Prove it, I believe in love. (laughs) I just believe it, I know it in my heart. Because I feel it, well what happens when you don't feel it? Does it mean it doesn't exist? No, love is one of those things we experience and we conclude by faith is a real thing. Just a couple of easy examples. Now, some of you are thinking, well, you know, faith, that's for the uneducated. That's for the people that don't know how to think. No, faith is not an uneducated response. Faith is highly intellectual. It's highly intellectual. It takes evidence and logic and reason and can makes conclusions. It's anything but an uneducated. Some people say faith is a lack of doubt, means the absence of doubt. There's faith and then there's doubt. If you're gonna be a person of faith, you can't doubt. And if you doubt, then you're not a person of faith. I don't know where this came from. A misinterpretation of what Jesus taught is one thing. Got this idea that doubt is a bad thing. Doubt is a bad thing. Doubt's not a bad thing. Doubt just proves you're human. Doubt just proves you're human. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the presence of belief beyond the doubts. See the difference? It's not the absence of doubt. Being a person of faith doesn't mean you never doubt things. Being a person of faith means you look at your doubts and you choose to believe beyond the point of doubt. People who never doubt are people who don't think very deeply about the things of life. It's I don't ever doubt stuff. Well, you ain't thinking. Because if you think about the stuff that I think about, from time to time, you're going to scratch your hair out. See? you like, I don't know about that. Wow. You know, I've been through things in my life that were so challenging, it has made me even doubt the very existence of God. And I'm a pastor. Used to be a pastor. <laughs> you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. Doubt just means you're human. Doesn't mean you don't have faith faith is not lack or the absence of doubt no you push beyond the doubt and choose to believe based upon the evidence based upon reason based upon logic in spite of the doubt and here's the other thing faith is also not a lack of questions a lot of people have said this don't ask questions just have faith oh that's a horrible thing to say Questions are wonderful. Bring them on. Questions are great. Questions are normal, natural ways to process reality around us. Bring your questions because faith can handle questions. Faith is not a lack of questions. So ask questions, do the research. Ask questions, do the research, and make a conclusion by faith based upon the evidence. Now, the evidence is not going to be airtight all the time because some things can only be accepted at all by faith. Science is only going to take you so far. You're not going to get a perfect picture of everything, especially about things in the past or things in the future that haven't happened yet. You're going to have to receive those things and accept those things by faith, working together with scientific things. They blend together when understood and seen properly. It's not a lack of questions. So if you're a middle school, high school student, listen very carefully. Keep asking questions. You need to own your faith. Own it. It means you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. If you're going to believe something, if you're going to choose to believe something by faith, you need to know why you're choosing to believe it by faith. My goodness. So keep asking questions. Get comfortable with faith. Let me begin to wrap it up by showing you this. The reason getting comfortable with faith is so very important is that you can't prove it all. You can't understand it all. And you can't know it all. You can't, I can't. And anyone who tells you they can, man, I'd like to know what they put in their coffee each morning. Because that would be a nice delusional way to live. You can't prove it all about the past. You just can't. Why? Because you weren't there. right? You're going to have to look at the evidence and make a conclusion by faith. We'll come back to that next week. You also can't understand everything that's happening right now in the present. Every single one of us have things going on in our lives that make us go, hmm, I wonder what that's about. Hmm, not sure how this is working hmm, I don't know what the purpose of this is. I bet there's no purpose. Is my life just a big punk? Like, you ever thought it, felt that? And you also can't know everything about the future. I mean, even those of you that are really into biblical prophecy and all that, I mean, okay, that just doesn't fill in all the blanks. It gives us some general things that God says we need to keep our eyes out for. But there's so much about the future we don't know for sure because it hadn't happened yet. So faith fills in those gaps that science leaves. You see, basically what this does is it provides us a sane, productive way to live and function in life. This is what faith does. Helps you be sane, keep you from losing your mind when it comes to these big issues. When it works together with science, faith ultimately helps us accept what we cannot fully prove about the past Faith ultimately helps us embrace what we cannot fully understand about the present and ultimately helps us trust what we cannot fully know about the future. Bottom line, faith allows us to not have to pretend like we're God because only God can prove everything in the past and understands everything in the present and knows everything about the future. You don't, I don't. Well, good thing, because we're not God. And when we try to pretend or expect each other to be and have the mind of God, we step away from what faith offers us. And it's the ability to trust, even though we can't prove it all, understand it all, or know it all. So get comfortable with faith. Get comfortable And if you're not comfortable yet and you're like, I don't know, man, I got questions. Good. Send them in. Q&A. Online, other locations. Let's do it. Come on. Let's see what we can get into in the next few minutes. But you need to know this. Let me end where I started. You can still belong before you believe. There are so many times in my life when what I believed was on shaky ground because of my emotions because of my ability to interpret reality, because of what had happened to me. And I'm so thankful that I could be long, even though I wasn't sure what or if or how I believed. So maybe we should rephrase it and say, you can be long while you're understanding what it means to believe. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this, okay? Father, thank you for faith. Thank you that, Faith is something we can be assured of and confident in. That it's not based upon fickle feelings and emotions. That faith is something we can base our life on. And we see how it complements science and how science, true, pure understanding of science, complements true and pure understanding of faith. And how you designed all this to work together. And I know there are questions in this room and watching online and other locations. I still have questions all the time. So may we not be afraid of the questions. May we bring our questions because faith can handle the questions and help all of these things to drive our attention towards you because we tend to be skeptical. So Father, help us to embrace through faith and trust through faith and believe through faith. In your sovereignty, in your awesomeness, in your power, and take our next steps together towards Jesus. Amen. All right, look at the questions that have poured in. You guys asked some fantastic questions, and I wish I had time to get to all of them. I'm not going to be able to do that in the time allotted today, unless you guys just want to do breakfast together in the morning here right, so we'll get to as many of them as we can. Thank you so much for your participation in this. This is fantastic, and I'm I'm just so honored uh, because, guys, listen, I don't have all the answers. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm a student still, and my goal is to help share with you what I have learned and what I am continuing to learn. Uh, First first question, though, that came in uh, from uh, somebody in Kernersville, Initials EW. Are there books that you would recommend on this topic? Yeah, let me give this one real quick. So you want to jot this down. Um, Two books. Lee Strobel wrote a book called The Case for Faith. Case for Faith. He wrote other ones as well, but this one specifically, Case for Faith. Let me give you the second one and tell you why I think these two are great. Uh, They're the classic Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia, you might be familiar with that. And the reason I suggest those two books, because both of those two guys, uh, you're probably familiar with C.S. Lewis and his skepticism, and he was an atheist. Uh, Lee Strobel was also an atheist, or at least very antagonistic, agnostic-wise, to, to God and Christianity. And he, while he was uh, employed at the Chicago Tribune many years ago, did a story like C.S. Lewis went out to disprove Christianity to shoot it full of holes, and in their research, they became overwhelmingly convinced of its truth and its validity. That has power, and so I recommend you reading those. They're not easy reads. They're not quick reads. Many trips to the bathroom for those, but um, it's worth the investment. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Question number 77. Told you there was a lot of them that came in. Caroline from Kernersville. Oh, this one also ties down to something that Bill from Oak Ridge asked about. So both of these are about the earth and uh, creation and earth. And so the question is, what is the age of the earth? And uh, what about the six literal days of creation, right? It seems, and so it's great, great questions. Um, First of all, let me preface again. I love prefacing things just to make sure in case you think I'm nuts. I, I did preface um, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room and there are many smarter men, uh, than I would disagree, but, but here, here's what I want you to consider when it comes to the age of the earth. We don't know for sure. We don't know absolutely for sure. We just don't. And so we look at evidence and we look at evidence and we do our best to try to piece together some of these things. Uh, the scriptures seem to indicate a young earth, like, uh, 10,000 or maybe a little less, uh, to the, to the best of our understanding. And then there's um, the scientific community, billions of years old, you know, starting with the Big Bang or something thereof, and, and here we have through the process of evolution. And so, which one is right? Well, I suggest to you that um, I, it, it's really not the big problem we have, and here's why. And then there's great. Answers about carbon dating and all that kind of stuff we don't have time to get into. But let me give you a very simple answer to consider. Very simple answer because I'm a simple-minded man. I'm a simple pastor. So just wrestle with this one. Chew on this one. When God created the earth in the universe, it is quite apparent that it was created with the appearance of age and the reality of maturity from day one. And here's what I mean by that. When God created Adam, like the scriptures say, when God created Adam... He created Adam, a full-grown man. So he created Adam, and like 30 seconds later, if Adam would have taken a selfie and posted it for all of us, he would have looked like maybe 25 years old, 35 years old. So he has a fully mature, functioning human body as a man, but he could have been like 30 seconds old. Here's a camera, just take a picture. So we can, don't you wish that would have happened, right? The universe was created with maturity present or it could not have functioned things even i would challenge the uh, the evolutionist to consider the things that they say evolved could not have sustained in their evolutionary process without more advanced things present at the same time in other words you have to have in order for things to exist you have to have mature processes like photosynthesis and all these things we we learn about in science that science helps us discover God created the universe with the appearance of age. That's what I believe. I believe that's the, the simplest way to understand it. So when I hear people say seven billion years ago, I go, sure seems like it, doesn't it? But that that I don't that's not a problem. It's not a problem. Okay? Uh, let me get to the, the creation thing. Those of you that believe God created the earth, did he do it in six literal days? I don't know, I wasn't there. Were you? No. So we're going to look at the evidence and do our best to try to piece this together. Fortunately, and I'll end with this when when and give you my explanation. and I'll end with it. Fortunately, um, our faith doesn't ride on the fact of us agreeing or fully understanding how everything was created and when it was created. But I'll get back to that. Hold that. It does seem to indicate. And if you know, if you had me in a, a full Nelson, you know, waiting for me to say uncle, and I was had to give you my answer here. It does seem like the scriptures indicate a six literal day creation time period, which would be no problem if we believe that God can do anything, right? No problem. God can do whatever he wants to do. And the reason that seems to be the case is because of the phrases, the evening and the morning was the first day. The evening and the morning was the second day. The evening and the morning, the evening and the morning, the evening and the morning for six days all the way through until the seventh day. Now, there are other people, that say, no, those were not six literal days, and you know they argue away the evening and morning thing, and they say, these are six periods of time, it could be a 1,000 years, it could be 10,000 years, it could have been 100,000 years, that all of this took, you know, each day was not a literal day, it was a figurative day. It's called the day-yom theory, because the Hebrew word for, for day is yom, and all that kind of stuff, and there's actually one verse in the New Testament that seems to indicate that could be a possibility, like... One day is like a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is like one day. Okay, I get you, I see that. And so, okay, so they're not six literal days. I still believe God did it. Does it matter? Really? And here's why I come back to this. Whether young earth or old earth, I believe, because of the evidence, by faith, I I look at the evidence, logic, reason, faith, science, and I conclude God did it. However he did it, he did it. I hope he recorded it so he can show us he did it. But here's, our faith does not ride on what you believe about creation and how it got here or not. Our faith is based upon the empty tomb. Our faith is based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not your belief in how creation all got here, blah, 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 blah. Now, I, it, that's just a fact. And so, um, I, you know, don't throw things, but you know, those, those of you that are like, ah, I, you, I can't believe, and I know I can't believe it either. So hopefully that'll help. You know, keep digging, Keep, but, but just remember... Right, It's Jesus is the center of our faith and his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. It's not how we can piece together something that none of us were there to know exactly for sure happened like that. All right, Uh, number 79, Luke from Kernersville. Could God have intended for his creation to evolve? (laughs) Why don't you ask a hard one? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there are three positions in, in this whole thing. There are people that say God created it, boom, you know, like he created it, let there be light, and there was light, and everything happened in six days. And then there are people, even Christians, that, that believe in evolution, okay? And they're Christians because of what they believe about Jesus. You're not a Christian based upon what you believe on them about creation. We've made that clear. And so they, they seem to be sympathetic to the evolutionary side of things. And then there are people actually that are in the middle in a position that's called theistic evolution. That What's his question? That God created it, but he's used evolution. He's kind of got it going and then let evolution take its process from, from there. And first of all, we're not absolutely for sure. There's a lot of evidence that you could say indicates one or the other. And I think the majority of the evidence seems to point, like I said, that God created in six literal days, and boom. when god And by the way, that would be a bang, right? If there's no light and God says, let there be light, bang, there's light. There's your big bang. And so, <laughs> I know that's oversimplifying it, and I just really made somebody mad, and I'm so sorry. I, I like to joke around. You know, I got a PhD in that. Well, boy, that was unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of money for something you can't know for sure. Anyway, um, right? Okay, so where was I? Yeah, the, the question about... Uh, I, I just really just blanked. God intended his creation to evolve. Um, there's a difference. And let me point something else out for you to consider. There's a difference between macro and microevolution. Okay? We're going to get a little heady here. Macro and micro. Microevolution is, is something we observe all the time. How species adapt to their surroundings. Right? And even you. Like, if you if you go to sleep tonight and lay on your left arm and you don't use your left arm for about two hours. When you roll over, you're gonna have the inability to use that left arm. If you'd have stayed in that position, eventually you'd have got up and it would have fallen off. You ever had that? It's like it's a hot weight, like what the heck? I can't feel nothing. It happened to me in college one time and I thought I was dying, it was awful. Right. Okay, so species, if you don't use a part of your body, eventually it will atrophy and die. Um, Species, we see this not just in humans, but we see they they adapt to their surroundings. That's microevolution. We see that, we observe that. Now, macroevolution is a whole different animal. Macroevolution is about there being a whole different animal. That species evolve into a whole different species. And there is no credible evidence... And it's a big statement, I know. And you can agree to disagree by faith because there's no credible evidence that any species has evolved into another entirely different species, even if you give them billions and billions of years because they say that's how long it takes. Well, that's a convenient thing since so you're not gonna be around that long, right? It's a convenient thing. And so we have no credible evidence. You say, well, what about the missing links and Piltdown Man and Nebraska Man and Neanderthal Man? Well, if we had time, we'd show you that. Every single one of those only, only a matter of time after they're discovered, they're proven to be something else. Oh, that was a tooth of a pig. Oh, that was a monkey skull. Or that was blah, 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 We don't have time to get into all that. It's a great question, though. Number 81, let me, let me speed up here. Glenn from Kernersville. What if I'm too skeptical to believe that my question will be answered? Wow. Dude, you need some stronger coffee. No, it's a great question, really. It's really a great question. Because some of us, sometimes, I've been that skeptical. I've been so skeptical, I'm like, nobody can help me. My issue cannot be helped. No matter what you say, I will argue you down. No matter what you say, there's full of holes. No matter what you say, okay? The only thing I can tell you when you find yourself in those icky sticky places that you're too skeptical to believe anything, just hang with it, keep asking questions, keep researching, Keep and give yourself some time to calm down and get over the drama, and then eventually you'll begin to settle into, oh, wait a second, this does make sense. This does make sense. Uh, let me get just uh, two or three more real quick. Number 85. We may go a little long, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> number 85. Kenny from Oak Ridge. If extraterrestrial life exists, I wasn't speaking about this. Well, I, well, I got to answer it now. If extraterrestrial life exists and is created by God, then why is it not mentioned in the Bible? That's a great question. Uh, you're assuming, I guess, that there is extraterrestrial life. And I'm not saying there's not. There's a lot of, not everything that's true is in the Bible. I believe everything in the Bible is true, but not everything that's true is in the Bible. Right? I mean, who's going to win the World Series this year? Not in the Bible. And that matters. Not everything that matters is in the Bible. Everything in the Bible matters for some reason in its context. And so, could there be life on other planets? Of course there could be. Just because God didn't mention it in the Bible doesn't mean it's not there. And could they be created by God? Well, sure. I mean, who else would have created them? Oh, evolution, yes, I get that. That could have happened, I guess. You receive it by faith, you know, whatever. But here's the deal. Is that a problem for us if there's life on other planets? Is that a problem? It's awfully interesting, I will say that. But it's not a problem for me. It's not a problem for you. You still have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Right? You still have to love people. And, it's just, and, so, and, sometimes, and the reason I say that with such levity is because we, we get hung up on these questions that we can't answer, and then we start throwing everything out, which brings me to, oh boy, number 82. Amy from Oak Ridge. What do you say to those that, who treat the Bible like a house of cards? You find one thing questionable, and then it all comes crumbling down. I think it's unfortunate that people treat the Bible like that because the Bible doesn't claim to be a house of cards. The Bible never claims to be easy. If you find one thing that you're struggling with, then you question everything. No, no, that's just, so, so here's the deal. You got questions about creation? Yeah, me too, I wasn't there. I, I, I got a hunch what I think the scriptures indicate and what evidence supports, but I, I can't be absolutely certain because I wasn't there. But it has nothing to do with the fact that Jesus came, which is all historically documented, by the way, not, not just hearsay, eyewitness account, Jesus came, lived, died, was buried, and rose again. And basically, we've said it before, any man that predicts his own death, burial, and resurrection and then pulls it off, you just go with what he says. You just follow him. You follow him to the grave and into eternity, wherever that, just go with him. And so, what, what ha- it's not a house of cards for me because that's historically documented. Eyewitness account, guys, it, okay, fine. We can agree to disagree on the creation. We can agree to disagree on you know, some of those things or whatever, but, but it's not a house of cards kind of thing. Two more, quick. Number 86, Bill from Oak Ridge. I believe God created the universe. Okay, no, I've already answered in that one. Okay. Oh, no, number 85. Uh, nope, answered that one. Hey, we're doing good. Uh, number 91, here we go. We'll wrap up with this one. Last one. What is your most effective approach to help an atheist believe God exists? Well, first of all, hopefully your purpose for being in a relationship with someone that may be doubting that God exists is not to just convince them that God exists. Okay? People are not not worth knowing and loving just to get them to agree with you on a position. Uh, and I, okay. Let me be honest again. I and I've said this. I I have been so hurt and disappointed in life by things that it's made me even question the existence of God. All right. So I've had atheistic moments. I have. Um, I'm currently not there. I'm back. <laughs> but the best way to work with someone on that, well, let me tell you what not to do, and then I'll segue to next week. Do not, do not, do not argue and debate, debate and argue. Okay. These things are not issues to win. We, we win and love people. We don't win issues. We do not win debates. It's not about that. It's not about that. And people get hurt and people get sidetracked on winning a debate. Guys, we're talking about stuff that requires faith to understand with science. It takes faith. Cause, so you're not going to just be careful how you go about those conversations. And point back to the evidence back to the evidence, which brings us to next week. Next week, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to do the Q&A again, and next week, we're going to talk about something that some of you say you probably don't worry about or anything, uh, but you, you need to be here and bring somebody with you, because next week, we're going to talk about how we can know for sure that God exists. You say, well, I already believe God exists. I know, but you know, do, you know, do you know why? If I were to ask you, show me. How, could you show me? Could you, could you give me any credible evidence at all to show me that, that it's worth putting my faith in? that God exists because everything falls from that, guys. If he doesn't, uh uh-oh. And if he does, uh uh-oh. So here we go. We're going to talk about it. And so if you have questions about that or if maybe you're sitting here like, I'm not sure God exists. I come to church because I like being here and you guys are great people. Well, I'm so glad glad that you're here. I hope you come back. But we're going to wrestle that one to the ground together to the best of our ability next week and we'll do more Q&A, okay? I'm going to kick it back to the other locations right now for them to wrap up. So take it away, guys. And they're gone. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. All right. We're going to start over. No. <laughs> now we're going to get down to it. Now that they're away. No, thank you so much for being here. On your way out, uh, two things. Number one, uh, don't forget here in Kernersville, we have a Thursday night service at 7 p.m. So as things get kind of crazy on the weekends for you and for those that you would like to invite. Thursday, 7 p.m. is an awesome opportunity for you to come experience and worship and all this kind of stuff and invite people and still do what you need to do on the weekends if you need to do that. And secondly, don't forget to pick up your Share the Love bag on the way out the patio to help us give our community undeniable proof that the love of Jesus is alive and well. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.